It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. It is currently Monday, September 27th at 6.11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the best in the business, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, how are you doing today? You know who it is. It's uh, another great day coming off a big, big dub last night, so we just keep rolling. Some great football this weekend, but that's not what we're here to do today. John, you want to let the people know what they're in for? Today, we're in for our very last episode of off-season deep dives. Just in time for training camps to start. They'll be starting tomorrow morning or, you know, this morning if you're listening to it on Tuesday, September 28th, which is the same day that this should be dropping. Mm-hmm. We're going to go through the last three teams that we waited to preview. They are the Philadelphia 76ers, the LA Lakers, and the Phoenix Suns. We were just waiting for a couple of shoes to drop with the Sixers and the Lakers. The Lakers, those shoes dropped. The Sixers, they didn't. Um <laughs> And the Suns kind of just got lumped in because we wanted to go through three title contenders at the same time, kind of midway through. After like the second deep dive, I was like, hey, we should start doing these with a theme. And Mm -hmm. uh, our theme is teams that our theme is teams that were contenders last season. Let's get it with question. All right. So we're going to start in Philadelphia, where Ben Simmons still hasn't been traded, even though the entire planet has talked about his trade request. It has been the talk of the offseason. Let's talk about what they actually did do, though. Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. Then we can talk about his trade request. Let's start with that. They drafted Jaden Springer with the 28th overall pick. They Not drafted IMG. Statue, IMG alum Jaden Springer, mm-hmm. 28th overall pick. They drafted and stashed Philip Petrushev in Turkey. They brought the number 50. They bought the number 53 overall pick for cash and drafted Charles Bassey. They would sign him to a three-year deal. They brought in George's Niang on a two-year $6.75 million deal with their MLE. They got Danny Green back on a two-year $20 million deal. They got Andre Drummond for the minimum, and they signed Aaron Henry and Grant Riller to two-way deals. They lost Dwight Howard, and they waived George Hill, Ray John Tucker, and Anthony Tolliver. Mm-hmm. Nothing too wild um, in terms of what they actually did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the addition to George Niang. I think, personally, he's going to come in a lot, play that role that Obviously, Ben Simmons kind of provides as a, a wing defender who can also play the bigs next to Joel Embiid. George Niang, clearly not the defender Ben Simmons is, but more of a traditional just inside-outside, he'll do it for you on both ends type guy. And that's a good piece for the Sixers to have at a certain point. You know, like clearly the Ben and Joel pairing isn't going to happen anymore regardless of however they feel about one another. Ben Simmons does not want to be there, so to bring in a guy like George Niang to give some spare minutes as a defender next to Joel. I like in terms of off season acquisitions. It's a nice one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a nice one. He's going to be a good backup power forward, I guess, behind Tobias Harris. And just one thing that like, I'm looking at this, I was looking at this Philadelphia off season and they, you know, they're, they brought in two guys, essentially. <laughs> they brought in Niang and Drummond. They drafted Springer and Bassey and they wanted Bassey on a two way. And then whole mess, whole mess. But now he's on a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. He brought back Jenny Green. All that. They, they didn't... They were kind of handicapped all offseason because of this Ben Simmons thing. So it's tough to be tough on the 76ers for not doing too much with their offseason. I'm going to say that right now. Like, I want to... You know, it, it... Generally, for what a title contender is supposed to do, which is what Philly fashions themselves to be, this was a very mm-hmm. bad offseason. They yeah. did not bring in enough pieces to, to, to propel them to that next plane. But... 
they they couldn't go out and try to sign a bunch of good minimum guys. They needed the roster spots to help facilitate a deal for Simmons. They they needed the roster spots in case uh, Simmons trade took back multiple players. And even if they weren't holding roster spots, they were completely capped out. Uh, so I can't give them too much trouble for why they didn't do a lot this offseason. But I think that needs to be said before we dive in. Because, yes, I know, like, you know, you look at the Nets and the Lakers and all the minimum guys they got. And, yeah, Andre Drummond is a good bench center. Even the Warriors got a lot of minimum dudes. Warriors got a lot of minimum dudes, too. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Andre Drummond, that's a former all-star that's now your backup center. <laughs> And like, look, I know that he's got some stink on him from that Lakers tenure. He's he's still pretty good, especially as a backup, especially with someone like Embiid, who he will you know know he's the backup to. Yeah, uh, just... I like the Danny Green deal. I like the the Niang deal. I liked all these things, but just I I think that I, even with trying to save roster spots, I think that a serious issue that they had was the lack of another playmaker who could penetrate the paint. And hopefully hit some open shots to help get Embiid more open at the end of games, because it's mm-hmm. easy to double Embiid, you know, stop, try to prevent the the post entry, do all that stuff. I mean, I say it's easy. He's Joel Embiid. It's not easy, but yeah, it's it, but that I... becomes your end of game plan, and you need someone to be able to get to force them to go to force the other team to guard him to create the space on a drive, so you can just he can drive and pass it down and give a dump off pass to Embiid. Or, mm-hmm. or so Embiid can run a pick and roll with them. So you can get Embiid the ball, even if, you know, you can get Embiid the ball in the post, even if they're doubling him every time, you know, doubling the catch or, or overplaying the catch. So that way Embiid, end of game situations aren't Embiid catches it at three, takes two dribbles and pulls up from mid range, which even if he's hitting, it's not. Yeah, it's not exactly a great look. your, your, your uh, bread and butter. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously without, Ben Simmons now and this this team not doesn't have a lot of guys around Joel Embiid, but with Andre Drummond, I think you look at another guy who's going to come in and just you talk about wearing people down in the paint already. Every starter and most of the offense and every single player on the court has to deal with Joel Embiid, and then you talk about Andre Drummond coming off the bench, who's another guy you got to clue in on, or he'll give you a quick ten and ten off just offensive rebounds and working your guys in the post. So it's going to provide Joel Embiid, I think, a lot more flexibility with who he's going to be matched up against because every single big that he goes against is also going against Andre Drummond if he's not out there. And mm-hmm. that's another big body to deal with. Someone else who's going to give you a lot of elbows and a lot of shoulders that just will not be a pleasant time. And it's... then you throw the big boy back out there. Hmm. It's just the wear and tear of having to guard those two bigs for 48 minutes is going to be a long t- long defensive battles for t- front courts all over the league. Like Especially in the East where, yes, you know, oh, the Bucks are so big. Are they really that big with, I mean, do you really want, I, I guess you'd wind up having Brooke Lopez guarding Drummond and you have Giannis guarding MB during the regular season. But mm-hmm. you look around the rest of the East, like New York kind of has bigs, but they're not like that. Washington has bigs, but I'm not worried about them on defense. The East mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of these, um, you know, obviously without a Jokic and an Anthony Davis and a DeAndre Ayton, there aren't a lot of big guys in the East on winning teams. Yeah, even Bam Adebayo is a smaller big. Like, and yes, Bam Adebayo is someone I would love to have guarding Joel Embiid, but mm-hmm. you're not having Bam Adebayo guard Embiid and then guard Drummond and no, no, no. You're, it, it's almost forcing teams to force a center to be matched up with Embiid, mm-hmm. which is going to be, which is going to be interesting because it'll let Andre Drummond kind of cook a little more. 
And yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. I, I, uh, I mean, I think that there's also ample opportunity for Tobias Harris to, to step into that role as a secondary playmaker and, and paint toucher in terms of creating for the offense and getting his shots up. I mean, it's long, long noted to his history with Doc Rivers when he's utilized properly. And now you think about being able to put like Seth Curry and Danny Green as a backcourt, which yes, might not be the most ball secure backcourt in the league, but they don't really have another point guard out there unless you're starting Tyrese Maxey or Shake Milton. So I, I just would have, I mean, look, I like the idea. I liked the idea of getting Niang for the MLE. You know, mm-hmm. a big Niang guy, Tilton alum, got a shout out, got a shout out. But I just, I'm surprised they didn't take a go at someone like Dennis Schroeder, Patty Mills, Kendrick mm-hmm. Nunn with their with their taxpayer MLE, or even minimum guys like, say, Ray John Rondo, Austin Rivers, Rodney Hood, or, or Timothy Luawu Cabarro. Just trying to get someone that could be more of a creator, even if you know, the minimum guys I listed aren't elite at it, but the MLE guys... I think they would have fit really well with this Sixers squad and given them another look that could have been really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, maybe maybe Harris can step up, but I, I, I definitely think that's one point that the Sixers should have touched on on there over this offseason didn't really get into. I also want to talk a little bit about, I just want to talk a little bit about the rookies really fast because mm-hmm. the Bassey situation was really weird. <laughs> they bought his yeah. pick and they tried to sign him to like, it was either a non-guaranteed deal or a two-way but mm-hmm. he had an offer for a multi-year deal with guaranteed money if he wasn't drafted. Yeah. And then they bought the pick to draft him because basically every pick after 50 is just an excuse to get a guy right in and make them feel special. And uh, So then he threatened to sign the required tender. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm going to sign the required tender. You can waive me. I'll just go join that team that offered me the full contract. <laughs> Mad lad move, big time. Mm-hmm. Now he's got like a three-year deal with, I believe, two years that are at least mostly guaranteed. So big ups to him on that. Yeah, such I heard... a, I'm still waiting for the the details on that. His whole contract situation has been such a mess. It's been kind of one of the funnier offseason stories to follow. Mm-hmm. I heard it was like first year fully guaranteed at this point, and then second year there's yeah. some partial guarantees in there. Yeah, that's what and I'm I reading. Mean... First year, first year full, second year partial. I paralleled the Miles McBride contract from New York on my cap sheet. Mm. But I, you know, haven't actually heard. So we will see. I don't know if he's got a restricted free agent year or if he's a team option instead of uh, if the last year's a team option instead of a um, an RFA year or whatever. You know, we're gonna wait to hear from that stuff. But definitely yeah. weird. And also, I mean, to be oh no, to be fair to him, another big body guy who's gonna cause a third string centers like he's not gonna be an easy guy to deal with on the offensive boards. He's gonna yeah. be a physical presence, and he just. You talk about I mean, wearing teams down on the inside. It's something that every single second counts. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think board. that the I don't think that the Sixers anticipated having both him and Andre Drummond on the roster. I'm going to be honest. I think yeah. when they signed Drummond, they were still expecting Bassey to to opt for the one year two way or or something like that. Mm-hmm. I I almost would have rather than signed him for a three or four year deal. Like you've got the MLE money, I I would do it. I don't know why that's not more common. Like if you can convince the agent or the player to get on board, I I would mm-hmm. totally be just be like, all right, sign on four years. We're happy to have you. I'll guarantee all four years, even for the minimum. I'll guarantee all four years. It's easy enough contract to move. Maybe not literally, but just to say like. And I mean, and talking about the, the rookies rest, and yeah, I was gonna say the rest of their draft. They got Jaden Springer who. I think he's really good, 
I don't know that he's mm-hmm. going to play a lot this year. I think he's just another tough defender, which is what this Philly, Philly team has done, bringing in guys like Thibault and Ben Simmons. I think mm. he's got a better shot than people think, and he's a really good athlete. I think he's got a really good – good. I think he was a great pick for 28. I had him high, noticeably higher. But I, mm. I don't know to expect much out of him this year unless he has a really good breakout. And Petrushev, he's a stash. He's not coming over. But he won WCC Player of the Year in 2020. <laughs> And he won the ABA League MVP this past year playing for Mega, the same club that Nikola Jokic played for. Mm. This year he's going to Turkey. And it's just going to be interesting in seeing when he comes back because the Sixers have Bassi on a three-year contract and Joel Embiid. Why do you want so many bigs? It was it yeah. was weird in the moment drafting. Drafting two bigs is always weird to me. Still a little weird to me. Maybe they just kept him because he thought, thought he'd be a good stash player and they're going to try to trade him later. Who knows? Who knows? No, I mean, I think there's there's definitely a role for Jaden Springer to carve out on this team if he wants to as a guard defender. Like, Danny Green and Seth Curry are both getting a little bit older, so we don't know how reliable they can be at consistently. And Matisse Thibel, I think, is going to get tossed a lot more on the wings now without Ben Simmons being there. So you're going to look at a guy like Jaden Springer could potentially be getting some spot minutes against backup guards and, and work his way into the rotation because, obviously, all those kids at IMG, all they know is work. So he's going to take every second he can make to – to be great in this league. And I think it's going to be an exciting time for them. Like this is a team that I can see actually doing really well. Cause I think even without Ben Simmons and whatever happens with them, I'm not sure throughout the season, if they make additions, but they'll still be very competitive. I think they're really well built around Joel Embiid. Let's let's, let's slow down. Let's slow down. Let's start with, let's talk about this Ben Simmons situation for a little bit, and then we'll do the predictions Mm -hmm. on the season. Uh, So Tobias Harris Joel Embiid and Matisse Thybul all were going to fly to LA to talk to Simmons about coming to training camp. And mm-hmm. he basically told them it wasn't worth it and not to make the trip. And then Doc Rivers called him a Trumpster, which basically made it much more likely that Simmons is going to come back for training camp. You know, we love being insulted by our coaches. It really helps us go to go to events. Um, yeah, nothing you love better than getting berated by your boss on social media. I love Doc Rivers, but something I love Doc Rivers, and I love how how honest he is in press conferences. It's a really it makes it really fun to watch him in press mm-hmm. conferences. Yeah, that's a little too far there, <laughs> especially when you know you already pushed his buttons when you lost the series. Like it's just like, hey, let's let's chill out, bro. Like, yeah, let's just say let's just say the the media cookie cutter answer. Like, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> Doc. Like, I love I love the personality, but this just wasn't your moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely not helping to bring him back. Um, I mean, there's no shot at this point. No. And then to make matters even worse, like every team is coming out and dumping on Ben Simmons. Joe Lacob literally just said in public that Simmons won't fit on their team and they got fined $50,000 for it. Yeah. This whole situation has kind of been madness. Um, the Denver Nuggets GM had a, had a quote, what was it, um, from a reporter saying like, I'm not sure if I'd be more offended if I'm Jamal Murray or if I'm our own organization about a uh, Ben Simmons for Jamal Murray swap. And I'm like, dude, it's just getting mean. Just aggressive. <laughs> now, look, I'm heard there's growing belief that he gets traded before training camp, which literally starts the same day this podcast gets dropped. And I was yeah. checking Twitter before we got on and I didn't see anything. So, yeah, I, I do have a tab called just, literally just Googled Shams open on my computer right now while we I, record. <laughs> I appreciate you having that open because I'm, uh, I, I am still checking and I don't I don't know. No, there's nothing nothing since he announced that Zion got foot surgery this offseason, which is there's a whole other thing. There's a lot of vaccinated, unvaccinated fighting going on on my on my, yeah. on my Twitter. I, I think Andrew Wiggins is probably giving a press conference if we're being honest. 
Um, Probably a Zoom call, to be honest. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, moving on from that before it gets worse. Um, but I really don't think that they should be trying to trade him before. I I don't think that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Mori is going to be able to hold the cards all the way to the start of the season, but I think he should. I really think he should. I think if the NBA tells him that they have to that he has to get traded, they should tell him the buzz off. I think if the NBA tells him that they have to play him, tell him the buzz off. Yeah. Look, just have have it Ben Simmons show up at the training facility, give him a fake injury, you know, knee tendonitis, whatever. Right ankle soreness. Like like give, <laughs> left left wrist <laughs> tightness. <laughs> That little spot in the back, in the back, in the, on your back where you can't really reach, uh, itchiness, Mm -hmm. you know, just can't play left hip contusion (laughs) out six months. Um, (laughs) no, but just give mm -hmm. him one of those fake injuries and hold it. I think there are a lot of players that could be available by trade. If their teams start doing bad this season and to not try and get in on them because you have to sell now, it just seems it's, it's a bad investment strategy. He always well, speaks of the Sloan, Sloan, uh, Sloan, Sloan thing. It's a bad investment strategy. I got a list. I got a list going on right now. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard, Bradley yep. Beal, Zach Levine, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, De'Aaron Fox, maybe Carl Anthony Towns, Jeremy Grant, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, CJ McCollum, Malcolm Brogdon, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward are all guys that if their situation goes bad, could totally be available for trade. Mm-hmm. And there's even more guys, namely, how about the first name that I really, first name, Aaron Gordon that are available, but that could be available, but are just signed to contracts. Yeah. So for the next six months, they can't be traded. Mm-hmm. Cause I do think that an Aaron Gordon swap would make sense for both teams, at least in some ways. Mm-hmm. All that has to say is training him now just is selling low on his value, especially with the deals that we're hearing floated. I think that you have to wait. I think that even if it's uncomfortable, you have to wait to try to get the best deal. Even if it hurts you a little bit in the short term, you hope that Joel Embiid can stay healthy at the start of the season. Tobias Harris can step up. Some of the other guys can step up. You have really good center depth behind Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. You hope Matisse Thybul can take another step forward and hold you at least in like an at-large seed for a little bit and then once start once stuff starts shaking out then you could start making this this ben simmons trade bring in someone good i mean at this point in the the ben simmons drama it seems like there's just no chance he's going to report at all and they're prepared to find him he seems prepared to forfeit the money and sit out the season and there's just a certain amount of point to me that comes like is there a point where the sixers call out of silver and be like well do we really have to pay this guy right now? Cause he says he doesn't want to play for us, but he just signed a four year contract. So at some point, I think it was, they said November 2nd, he's due like 50% of his salary. I think the Sixers actually end up paying him if he's not playing at all. Cause I've, I've heard that they aren't going to, and that they'll have to take it that they might not. And then he'll have to take it to arbitrage and no, 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 no. But I've also heard that he's ready for that. I've heard that he's ready to not get paid this season. Yeah. And, and Which is... I just want to say, I just want to say, this is what happens when you force a rookie to be locked up with a team for so long. And and I'm not saying that that's wrong because in 99.99999% of cases, it works out great for the team. But then you get this one situation where it winds up not being great for the player. And he's like, well, I want out. And you guys didn't really 
you know, say nice things about me. So I'd really like to be out. Mm -hmm. And his only way out is to hold out, is to not show up to stuff, is to just be like, I'm not coming. I'm going to forfeit my salary. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so with that, though, with him being like that, the next thing is the, the league should not step in and force them to trade him or force them to do anything. Mm -hmm. Simmons is under contract for four years. If the yep. league, if the Sixers want to hold him for the entire year without paying him, they should be able to. They should be able to hold him the entire season, trade him next offseason. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a four-year contract, which means they should have his rights for four years if they want it. They should be able to trade him whenever. No one should be stepping in to force them to trade him early. Putting that yep. out there. Because it sounds like there's going to be some pressure from the league in some way. And I just think, hey, part of this is both sides. And yes, it's obviously not getting handled well. And obviously, you hate to see this situation. But you got to mm -hmm. give Maury the flexibility to make the move however he wants to make it. And you got to give... And if Simmons is ready to forego his paychecks, I don't think you can force him to show up. Yeah, I mean, for Maury, especially, like like you said, at this point in the offseason, at least for this year, it's very unlikely... There's all this talk that this deal was going to get done this week. It's just there's not really any value out there for Ben Simmons that you can get right now. And as you go through the season, teams will obviously get more desperate and more inclined to make deals to try to improve or sell on assets that they think are going to leave them anyway. So having him and just holding on to him for the season is superior for the 76ers in so many ways. And for them, for Daryl Morey right now, he's the guy who always swings for the fences on every deal. There's no way he's looking at a situation where he's willing to take a pay cut on Ben Simmons trade value just because he wants to get him gone before the regular season. Like, I don't think he has any regard at this point for Ben Simmons feelings towards the team or towards when he wants to be traded. He's solely focused on getting the best thing available for his team. Cause in Maury's mind, he's probably just checked Ben Simmons completely out of his world. It's like, this guy doesn't exist to me after I trade him away. Mm -hmm. And look, so we have to talk a little bit about him being traded before the season. Mm -hmm. The best deal we've heard is maybe the the Timberwolves agree to give up D'Angelo Russell and throw in Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. That's like, somehow that's the best deal we've heard by a lot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll give you Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and some protected first. We'll give you Jaden McDaniels, Malik Beasley, and Patrick Beverly. Like, there's, there's just all these really not strong deals out there. That sounds yeah. like the best one that might be on the table from all the, you know, rumors that I've been listening to. And I've been listening to a lot because what else do I do with my time anymore besides work? A lot of work <laughs> going on, but I need to listen to something. So I'm listening to all these podcasts talk about it. Mm -hmm. I, for that deal, they'd get a win now player in Russell and a good potential front court piece between Embiid and Harris and Jane McDaniels. It's not the world's worst return. No. But just look at what Drew Holiday got in a trade. And I get that the Holiday situation was better for every side involved. Mm -hmm. And they took advantage of a team that was in need by training him to Milwaukee. But the difference between the Holiday deal and the de potential deals we're hearing for Simmons is ridiculous. Like, I, I, You're talking about someone who already has a better resume, I think, on the defensive end than Drew Holiday, who's known as a defensive player, and he's, he's like 25 years old. He's quite. He is just flat out a better defender than Drew Holiday. He has a better resume than Drew Holiday in what five less years in the league, six less years in the league. He's a two-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA versus Drew Holiday, who was a one-time All-Star. 
Yeah. I'm not talking about all defense. I refuse to talk about all defense. <laughs> it's the worst award. Uh, worst award on the planet award goes to all NBA defensive second team. Um, <laughs> all I have to say is, I get that it's about. I, I just think that if you're not getting a deal that's at all comparable, I don't know why you do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm mean, wondering how at what point it hits comparable also. And but there's also the certain degree of your as the 76ers right now with Joel Embiid in this time and space in his career where he's playing some of the best ball he ever has been or realistically is playing the best ball he ever has. You're also trying to get pieces that are going to help your team in the here and now. So you're not necessarily going after the six, seven, five, four first round picks as much as you can. If I can get, they haven't even been offered that from what I'm hearing. They haven't even been offered that Mm -hmm. they get three, two and a swap. Yeah. But I'm just saying that Darren Morey might not want to be holding out for that as much as he's looking for just guys who can plug into his team right now. And, I don't know for the Sixers if they want to get another superstar level player for Ben Simmons or if they should really try to just stock up on guys to fit around Joel at this point and just fully embrace Joel Embiid in that team because it seems like having those two superstars was always a big problem. Like just let Joel cook and put guys around him. At what point do you just bite the bullet and t- and call Portland and send them Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum? Yeah, like if you can get CJ and Rocco and maybe one other person – no, 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 just like, straight up one for one. Oh, no. No? I don't think that ever happens. You don't think so? I think the, I think Daryl Moore would rather hold out four years of Ben Simmons than he would trade the eight up for CJ McCollum. Like, I agree. Um, I agree, and not because I don't like CJ McCollum. Uh, mm-hmm. I also think that this trade is almost inevitably going to go to a Western Conference team, by the way. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. If th- that just seems like also the value in the Eastern Conference just really isn't there from a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Other than like that Charlotte Hornets, potentially Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier or something somewhere midway through the year. But it's it really like it seems like he, they're going to get rid of Ben Simmons and then hopefully never have to ever see him in Philadelphia again until potentially an NBA Finals matchup. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up out West and he, he pulls like a Carmelo Anthony and just casually skips all the r- trips back home for a yeah. few years. So yeah, I got a mellow for that. It took him like eight years to go back to Denver. He changed teams twice before he went to Denver, and he's like, ah. And then then they all were happy to see him. Mm-hmm. Well timed. So, Ugh. I gotta say, okay, there was a rumor that like the the Nuggets are the front leading team, and with the and Michael Porter Jr. literally signing an extension, a max extension, right before, mm-hmm. right before we started recording, I think all possibility of that happening is gone. But I will say. If they're holding Ben Simmons, I do think that there is a swap of, say, Aaron Gordon. I mean, you actually had a trade for them, right? You said. Yeah, I mean, for the Nuggets, I had one that I honestly think that once, obviously, Aaron Gordon has his contract extension, and that's going to take a little while before it gets off the books. But Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, two good guards, mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon, and then you, the Denver Nuggets can throw in as many firsts as they want. Like they have all their picks, throw in as many picks as it takes. I don't see how the Sixers are getting better offers than that at this point. I, I'd even be cool doing like Bones Highland and or Bull Bull. Like yeah. whatever whatever you want. Like I'd do Bo- Gordon, Bull Bull, Bones Highland, maybe even like that year's first. Like mm-hmm. I'll, if I'm trading all three of the, all, both of those guys and a first, it's a lot. But I mean like Zeke yeah. Naji or something. I don't know. Like I, I'd be cool giving up one of those guys alongside uh, all that. Yeah, exactly. And for the Denver Nuggets, I mean, you talk about having Jamal Murray – now Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, and Ben Simmons, all with I think at least three more or three more years under contract, some of them longer. 
and that like that for that group could just go absolutely bonkers with the level of just versatility on the floor and their size and strength and how much they can all do it's just absolutely mind-blowing what they'd be able to do in denver if they actually got that to be done mm-hmm. i i agree because uh, ben ben simmons is really just a souped up aaron gordon yeah, like aaron gordon at his best is ben simmons at his worst like yes yeah. i mean ben simmons at his worst was really really bad but <laughs> we watched you know aaron gordon I, I don't know aaron gordon versus ben simmons at least ben simmons would ben simmons is a pair next to joel Embiid. i mean nikola Jokic would yeah. be really interesting Oh my, it would be devastating. <laughs> it would be devastating because also they can flip-flop on the pick and roll both ways. Jokic can space out a lot better than Joel can. Mm-hmm. The passing between the two of them, letting Jokic pitch up and then Simmons running that fast break right away would be even more yeah. devastating, especially with speedsters like like Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray around him. Elite slashers and finishers at the rim, like so. I, I, it, I, <laughs> it would just be devastating. You'd be creating just the most immense, most insane title contender of all time. If I'm the Denver Nuggets, I'm sitting there, just hoping, praying nobody does this. Yeah, please don't let this deal get done. Please don't. I mean, obviously, you had to sign Aaron Gordon to the extension. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I'm not gonna sit there and be like they shouldn't have signed him to an extension so they could trade him. No, no, no. You had to sign him to the extension because you need, you know, what's what did they say? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> yeah, you have to take him. You have to take him. Also, that report of uh, that report of um, the report that that came out from the that apparently the GM with the Jamal Murray thing that I mentioned yeah. definitely doesn't help with getting him, but it's still very. Funny. I mean, it's a good point. It's just like we're not willing to trade Jamal Murray. You know, at least yeah. it just is. It's a very team focused thing i've had a couple like just interesting ben simmons to make the money work trades honestly because at this point it's so hard to tell where his value is at around the league so like you take a look at like the team and like the clippers can make the money work with bledsoe and canard you know yeah, what i'm saying like that, they're actually they're <laughs> actually my surprise team i actually read that they're a surprise in my opinion i think they're a surprise team for ben simmons mm-hmm. they got a lot of different contracts that they can cobble together and i've said it before they got a surprising amount of assets you got terrence yeah. mann keon johnson jason preston bj boston two pick swaps and a future first round pick that they can tra- trade. Mm-hmm. What if the deal is something like Reggie Jackson and then one of Luke Kennard or Markeith Morris and Keon Johnson and yeah. uh, all three of their picks for Ben Simmons. Yeah. And Ben and Simmons, talk- Jake Milton and one of Isaiah Joe and basketball, Paul Reed. <laughs> yeah. Then you talk, yeah. Sorry. You talk about a lineup that you can throw out next season. Kawhi, Paul George and Ben Simmons is like, Two, three, four, three, four, five, one, two, three, whatever you want, honestly, with those three guys on the floor mm. and someone who can cover up, like as a defensive trio, could be some of the scariest defense ever put together in the league. That's one of the crazier parts about these Ben Simmons trades is like if he ever has a place where he can really hit his potential at any of the p- positions where he could be an elite player in the NBA. You're talking about a potential generational talent guy. The Philly Sixers are going to have to move right now. And, and especially sending him to a team like the Clippers who love playing this small ball thing. They love this five out all everyone little everyone doing their thing. And yes, part of me says that Ben Simmons is going to get traded and immediately start shooting threes. I'm putting that out there. Part of me says <laughs> he's saw- going to get traded and he's going to shoot like 300 threes. He's going to shoot at least three a game. 
some, some, there's just a part of me that feels it. Mm-hmm. I saw, I was like a, an ESPN clip today of Woj snickering and somebody saying that on ESPN too. Like he was on a, a panel with somebody and it was like someone saying like, well, Ben Simmons isn't going to magically start shooting threes once he gets traded. I'm like, well, imagine if he actually did though. Like that'd be so we see it every off season. It's just like Ben Simmons first game for a new organization. Just like sets like the organization record for most threes made in the game. And you just say like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> like, his game just pulls up from the logo just smack it's like yo no like <laughs> here's the thing even if he's not even if he's not the clippers are uniquely you know uniquely but they're uniquely equipped to play around that because yeah. they just have so many shooters on this roster just such mm-hmm. a swath of shooters up and down the roster they love bringing in guys that even more guys that are shooters and to make the money work, you'd have to send Shake Milton and basketball Paul Reed. And Shake Milton is, you know, t- t- talked about what well, we talked about Gordon about uh, Simmons being a souped up Aaron Gordon. Is Reggie Jackson just a souped up Shake Milton? No, I mean, I, I think Shake Milton's really good, honestly. I think Shake Milton's honestly really good. I'm put that on. Very good bucket off the bench. He's got a bright future as a scorer in this league. Yeah, but you have, just to say, you'd have all these guys. You've got the big thing for me is you have Nick Batum, mm-hmm. who putting him next to Ben Simmons. Could yeah. be a really good way to unlock Ben Simmons as a five on offense, yeah, and let him because he kind of still struggles with the off ball with the um the rim protecting as a five. But Nick mm-hmm. Batum was not bad at that. Yeah, not only I mean, was he not bad at it, he was able to lock up Rudy Gobert. Yeah, maybe this is like, the way to unlock Ben Simmons as a true, you know, hybrid post type. And then you've got mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You got Ben Simmons blazing it on the fast breaks kind of playing as like the the full court point guard and then when it slows down to the half court you're probably just going to wind up running Kawhi isos anyways or whatever the or offense paul to paul george anyways mm-hmm. all that's to say is i think that the fit could work really well there and if you're the sixers you're getting if you're the sixers you're getting keon johnson three picks you can trade in the future M- maybe terrence man also i, I don't know Mm-hmm. Morris is someone that I think could step in and play right away next to Joel Embiid and be a really good fit next to him. Yeah. And Reggie Jackson provides you with that off the bounce scorer that I think they need to unlock Joel Embiid at the end of games. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to need, if you want to w- be able to close games, he-, he could be your, I mean, he's obviously not one of the most elite in the league, but he could be your closer. If he can keep playing the way he did for the end of the, for the Clippers last season. Yeah, you have you have Reggie Jackson above Eric Bledsoe in terms of backup guards in the league or, or guards you would want starting on your team, just because I think the Clippers would probably be more inclined to move Eric Bledsoe because there was so much love for Reggie Jackson last season and so much talk of him like rejuvenating and being so grateful to be just, back on this team and everything. I just think that Jackson fits what Philly wants a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I I think agree. more than anything, like Reggie Jackson, like Reggie Jackson, just fits what the Clippers, what the what the Sixers want a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I obviously I think that the Sixers the the Clippers would try to play hardball, but in the end of the day, you're getting a generational talent in Ben Simmons for yeah. picks that you hope will be really bad because you're hoping to be really good forever, mm-hmm. uh, and you're spending like you will be. And I believe that a good GM can make sure that I believe that a good GM until there's a new CBA, any GM that is given carte blanche should be able to keep a team in the playoffs almost every year, barring injuries. <laughs> This is a yeah. team that doesn't imagine those picks will be bad. You get Ben Simmons, who's young and will be able to help extend what this team can be. Mm-hmm. I, I just think you, you're like, okay, we love Reg Jackson, but we kind of just have to move on. 
Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely a path for the Clippers. I think, especially this season, if teams are are not willing to pull a trigger and Ben Simmons situations get increasingly more and more like trade me right now. I don't want to be here after the deadline type situation. The Clippers could be one of those 11th hour teams. And I think, and hear yeah. me out. If there's no chance of getting D'Angelo Russell, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halberton, or like Malcolm Brogdon, is this the best deal that they can get? Like, do you, is like, <laughs> You're still getting like okay, maybe if the, the you get two unprotected, if you get two Sacramento Kings picks and one swap versus two two Clippers swaps and uh and a pick, but you also get Keon Johnson and a guy who can play right away and be a really big part if he's playing well of your team. I I kind of think this is a better deal than most of the deals we've been hearing. Yeah, I mean, other than that potential Gordon deal, I think. It's kind of at the oh, same yeah, level. No, the, Gordon Gordon... Deal is, the Gordon deal is, in my opinion, a lot a lot better if you're getting guys like Bones and all that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how much I'd want to be gambling on. I, I don't want to be gambling on future Clippers picks just for the reason I said. I think that a, a GM that has carte blanche can always win. And I think that this, I think that um, the Steve Clippers will always have yeah. carte blanche because of Steve Ballmer being one of the richest human beings alive. Yeah, and just loving his team. Loving his more team than anything so much. else. He's so ah, uh, he's such he's such an owner. I'd love to work for. Mm-hmm. It, it, it like pains me, you know. I, as a Lakers governor, fan, governor nowadays. As a Lakers fan, you know, you always want to make jokes. You know, like oh, uh-huh. the Clippers, but like, it's got to be so good being the GM and the president of basketball operations for Steve Ballmer. Yes, you've got yeah. like a standard to win, but if you believe in yourself and you know, and like, quite frankly, they deserve to. They've done a great job building this roster. Yeah. I'd feel so happy. I'd be like, my boss trusts me. My boss lets me do whatever. I'm going to mm-hmm. do a great job, and I'm going to get to do whatever my heart desires, and I don't have to worry about anything. I've, if I see a move that I want to do, I can do it because my boss trusts me. It must be great. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a boss. That tr- I mean, I don't have a boss right now, so I'd love to have a boss that trusts me. Yeah, I mean, one food I want to just throw out there, I don't even really have a trade for it, but just because he's a, another disgruntled young star at this point. You think there's any way that Ben Simmons and Zion work together? It's just like this crazy, weird Dude, front court. I keep thinking point about guard it. Duos. I, I keep thinking about it. Because <laughs> cause I just keep thinking about it. And I'm just like, I can't figure it out. Cause like I don't Devont- see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Devontae Graham, Sadaransky, and Josh Hart make the money work. You know, and they have a million first-round picks. They do. And it's that, just you get your guard you play about- in the Sixers. And then you have all the picks. Yes, you have Zion, Valanchunas, and Ben Simmons all on roster, but Valanchunas is on the last year of his deal. Realistically, you can flip him at the deadline mm-hmm. and bring in another guard. And then you got Zion, B.I., Ben Simmons, and hopefully whoever you get for JV, you're looking at a, a potential team that's making a run to the play-ins in the second half of the season there. What if you are what sorry, what if you are Oklahoma City Thunder and you trade some of your 17 first round picks and Derek favors anywhere else and just absorb Ben Simmons salary. I mean, at this point, a little three team trade, it wouldn't be un- unheard of for the NBA. Just okay. be sprinkling first round picks all over the place. And Ben Simmons eventually ending up back there. That'd be so funny. And that'll be such a great team. It would be so the ultimate Sam Presti move with all of these <laughs> six foot nine guards that he's loving. Yeah. Just continue to get just lengthy dudes who can dribble the ball, who do a lot of stuff. It would take renouncing every single one of their trade exceptions, which would be very funny because <laughs> they have quite a lot of money in it. I don't have it written down. I need to start adding that to the sheet. That's going to be the next thing I add to the sheet, by the way. Spoilers. 
Mm. Um, so now we can talk about the predictions for the Sixers team. Yeah. You seemed a lot more upbeat than I did. So do you want me to, do you want me to come be part? Do you want you be, you be positive. Then I'll come be party pooper. That's fine. Cause I, I do think that this team is going to be successful. I think anyone built around Joel Embiid at this point is clearly established as one of the best players in the NBA and at least one of the most dominant regular season forces for the first 40 minutes of the game. He can give you enough juice to win ev- almost every single game. So I think this team is, is going to be like a confirmed playoff lock. Absolutely play it. No playing problems for the Sixers at any point this season. I see them probably top four, like at some point, there's going to be a team outside of that between them, the Nets, the Heat, the Hawks, the Celtics, essentially, are the top six right now. But I definitely see them up there battling every single night to be the best in the East. I mean, they were number one last season. Obviously, Ben Simmons isn't there anymore, but there's still a lot of talent on this roster and guys I think are going to take steps, like Maxi and Milton can grow together and Thiable is going to continue to get improved. So I see this. the squad is still on the way. There's just some pieces are going to need to be figured out. And once the Ben Simmons drama is over, hopefully they have some more guys that can continue to get this team to where they want to be because they should be looking at the conference finals every year at this point. And they've never made it. So I, okay. Mm-hmm. I do not see them anywhere near that level that you do. Uh, they got unusually, I don't want to say unusually good health from Joel Embiid last season. Mm-hmm. But he played the entire playoffs except for one game, and he played 51 of 72 games for a 73.81% games played. Mm. Since he started making the playoffs, he has played under right around – he played a little under 70% of games in 2019-2020. Mm-hmm. Then he played all four playoff games and got swept for a full season of 71% of games played. Yeah. Okay, no. No, no, let me start this again. So 2016-2017, he plays 31 games. The next He's two hurt. seasons, he plays 63 and then 64 games. They make the playoffs. They He plays almost all the playoff games, plays above 75% of games in both, both the regular season and total. Mm-hmm. Since then, 2019-2020, he played under 70% of games. He played 51-73. to 73. Yeah. He played all four playoff games where they got swept for a total mm-hmm. season of 71.4% of games played. Mm-hmm. This past season, he played 51-72. of 72. 11 of 12 playoff games for a full season of 73.8% of games played. There is clearly a downward trend in his minutes played since playoffs, since he started making playoff runs. Yep. I'm not running a statistical analysis on it. It's only four seasons. It's not enough to go crazy. (laughs) I, I, they're not enough to run the crazy amount of stats that you can. I don't know that. I don't know that you can count on a long Joel Embiid season. I don't know that you can count on him playing more than 75% of the games in a season. Because he's played less than that the last two seasons. He's played 70 the last two season, regular seasons. Yeah, and I think the addition of Andre Drummond gives you a starting caliber center when Joel Embiid I, isn't there. I don't know that he's a starting caliber center. I watched in quite a Eastern lot of Conference. Andre Drummond. I watched quite a lot of Andre Drummond last year. I uh yeah, but you're talking about the Eastern Conference and games where you're taking days off. Like, I'm sorry to all the, the fans of the teams in the Eastern Conference that know you're not making the playoffs, but Andre Drummond can still do work against the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons. Like, it's not I, like Joel Embiid needs those games. Yeah, yeah. But look, he still went to – look, not only that. So he played – he went to the conference finals last – he didn't go to the conference. He went to seven games in the second round last season mm-hmm. in a short season. Mm-hmm. 
everyone that went to the conference finals last season wound up dealing with injuries. Yep. The Clippers, or from the short from the last shortened off season, everyone that went to the conference finals dealt with injuries. The Clippers went to seven. Mm-hmm. They dealt with injuries at the end of the season. They had to load manage Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And then they dealt with injuries. I I don't he also had spent the entire summer rehabbing from a torn meniscus. I don't know if I had to guess one of the top six teams to fall off. So that's Nets, Bucks, Sixers, Heat, Hawks. And a lot of people are starting to add Boston. I have Boston firmly in there as yeah, one of the top I'm... six teams. I might have them. Spoilers, I might have them number two. Um, might. I haven't done my predictions yet. But I'm very high on this Boston team. The Sixers are the team that I'm that I think is most likely to disappoint and fall off <laughs> of those six. I think they're the team that's most likely to fall off unless you see a serious all-star level jump from Tyrese Maxey or an unexpectedly good deal for Ben Simmons. I just don't think that this team has enough off the bounce creation to be a threat without MB playing. Yes. Drummond is good. Yes. Bassey has a crazy finishing, crazy finishing abilities, but that defense is all, or that interior defense is all Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. without getting any return back from Ben Simmons. That's a lot of relying on Matisse Thibel. Drummond is not a rim protector like that. Bassey is not a rim protector like that, especially at the NBA level as a rookie drafted number 53 overall. I, I think that the lack of, I, I think that the lack of off the balance creation will hurt their offense and the lack of Joel Embiid on defense is really gonna, gonna kill them. I also think that this team is quickly going to realize how much they rely on Ben Simmons to run their fast breaks. Mm. He he is probably the most dangerous fast break player in the league up there with LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jokic. But I think Simmons is Simmons might just be number one. Yeah, he's he so fast. Most, he's so fast and he's so good at passing. It's just taking mm. the best aspects of all three of those guys and putting them all on the same player. I mean, realistically, it is still LeBron, but he's got the lebron he's got the power and speed of lebron with the measurements of Giannis and the passing chops of Jokic. Mm-hmm. I, I i will say lebron up there but simmons is able to do it more than lebron because he's got like that he's also got the Giannis, you know athleticism in it yeah and age just keep running <laughs> mm-hmm. that's why i'm going to put him firmly over braun in terms of being a, a fast break threat and probably the biggest fast break threat in the league you're losing that, and that is going to hurt your team. Mm-hmm. That has a lot of points that are going to be left on the table. I, I, I think this team is going to suffer in the regular season without that a lot. I think this team is poised to have a have a fallback. I wouldn't be shocked if they wind up making if they wind up only being a play in team. Yeah, I don't I don't see them falling into the play ins at any point. I don't I wouldn't be surprised. I guess if they go fifth six, especially if there is some injury ish problems, but I do still think this is top four. A lot of it, it, in my opinion, is on Doc, though, and I think this is a team that he's more suited to coach. Like, this is a roster that Doc Rivers is capable of winning with, I think, and knows what he's got in front of him instead of what he had last year with Ben Simmons, where he clearly just did not have an established relationship that was any good. Mm-hmm. All right, we just spent, like, 45 minutes on that. <laughs> so let's take a two-second break. All right, we're back. We're excited. It was a great little break. We're excited to go off on this. We need a quick mm-hmm. little recharge and some planning. So we're going to move on now. We're going to the LA Lakers who had a ridiculous offseason. They retained three players from their team last year, including two-way guys. 
One of those threes was a free agent that they had to sign back. Mm -hmm. In Taylor Horn Tucker. Let's go through their moves. Let's go through their moves. The Lakers traded Kyle Kuzma, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, and Montrez Harrell, and their number 22 overall pick, and a second round pick, as part of a five-team trade that would return them Russell Westbrook and three second round picks. Mm -hmm. They traded a second round pick. I believe it was one of the ones they got in that trade to send Mark Gasol to the Grizzlies so that they would wave him and Gasol could go back to Europe. We miss you, Mark Gasol. Really? We miss uh, you, Mark. They let Andre Drummond, Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, Markeith Morris, Ben McLemore, and Jared Dudley, Alfonso McKinney, Alex Antetokounmpo, and Devonta Kaycock walk. And then they brought in Taylor Horton Tucker on a two plus one deal for thirty million over three years, over the full three years. Kendrick Nunn on a one plus one deal worth ten point two five over both years for their MLE. And then they also signed Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk, Ray John Rondo, and DeAndre Jordan to one-year minimum salary deals. Mm -hmm. And this is what we wait for. I was wondering who that 14th spot was going to be. I was mm -hmm. wondering if they were going to keep Marcus Gasol. We waited for that just so we would know. The last yeah. two has been given because you can't sign Exhibit 10s unless you have 14 guys on roster. So they signed a 14th guy. They just signed Austin Reeves to a two-minus-one deal. So the two minus one year deal where the second year is a team option and the first year is only partially guaranteed. Mm -hmm. They've signed Joel Ayayi to a two-way contract. Both of those guys forced their way to the Lakers in hopes of getting two-way for the two-way deals. Austin Reeves has already had his deal converted to a full deal. They've got one open roster spot and one open two-way spot still. Just a lot of off-season movement, man. I mean, this, this offseason is just so indicative of like a, a Supreme Dreams IG TV of LeBron going off on a team. Like, this is what happens to a LeBron James team that loses in the first round. We've never <laughs> seen it before. This is what happens. You keep two guys on the roster and everyone else is gone. Like, none of you guys wanted to play. You don't want to get out of the first round. You can all leave now. Thank you very much. Like, don't think you're safe because you are getting out of here. And this was a wild I, time. I would love to. I, I wish I had the editing chops to just have all the RDC World videos pop up right now. Frank! <laughs> forever it's, it's, this was just a crazy time for the lakers it was and I, I think more than anything i think it showed that rob palinka uh, learned his lesson mm -hmm. this was his, this was his third off season with the team without magic johnson there meddling i guess to call it sure he's the main guy in charge for the third third off season first season he brought in anthony davis and just you know that that's enough. He brought an Anthony Davis and Clutch family, and that's good enough. Uh, last season, he went for talent over fit, and I mean the fit still was good, but mm -hmm. he forgot to consider that he needed guys to buy in. Yeah, he kind of he he got lucky in the first season that everyone was like, "We got LeBron James, we're just gonna make it work." It's LeBron, mm -hmm. and that didn't work the second time they brought in guys like schroeder and drummond who were like i need to start i'm not here if i'm not starting and then that kind of missed guys like mark gasol that probably should have been starting over andre drummond mm. uh, look every guy this year every guy on this team either already got their money is getting mm -hmm. their money from the lakers or is young and said that they're ready to buy in shout out to malik monk that's literally just you um yeah I guess maybe Austin Reeves too, but Austin Reeves is just happy to be on contract. I mean, definitely at this point. Yeah, and not not that he doesn't deserve to be, but uh, you know, dream dream coming true with an NBA contract at this point. Just going undrafted to getting an NBA contract. I'm not worried about how you're going to fit on this roster. I know you're just happy, man. Yeah, 
And now, he's a bucket. Like he, he was really killing us in college. He re- he was look. I I wasn't super high on him. I still had him as a guy that would get drafted. I had him as a. I like what he can be. I'm a little scared for what he is going to be on defense. Mm-hmm. But I say it. I I'm going to say it a billion times in this section. If you're if you're on the Los Angeles Lakers and Frank Vogel is your coach, you will find a way to defend. You just will. Everyone yeah. does. Montrez Harrell, who was the worst defender in the league when he was on the Clippers, was the defensive anchor. For the second-rated defense in the league when Anthony Davis was out. <laughs> I mean... Everyone on this team, everyone that plays for Frank Vogel, figures out how to defend or doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Flat out. Yeah. Now, okay. Where do you want to start with all this offseason moves? I, how about I start with Marc Gasol because I, I don't want to forget about it. And I think everything else was so – I say I don't want to forget about it, but I literally made us wait 15 minutes to start this recording because I forgot to write about Russell Westbrook. So maybe we should start with Westbrook? I mean, he is the uh, former MVP that was added to this team during the offseason. Yeah, we could start with that. Or we could start with the report that came out today that Anthony Davis is going to start at the five most likely. Is that, did that actually come out today? I, I, I heard on The Athletic. I uh, heard on The Athletic. I read a little something that they're planning on starting, uh, that their projected starting five is Westbrook, Ariza, Ellington, LeBron, AD, and that Taylor Horn Tucker is fighting for a starting spot. Sounds like that should be their closing five, not their starting five. I don't even think that should be the starting five, but it's fine. We'll talk about that more. Um <laughs> I think I, I'm yeah, really, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the starting five at the end of their season. How about that? And not because of anything, just because I think that Vogel is going to tinker. Not because I, I think thought, any of those guys aren't good. I thought you were going to say the report about Russell Westbrook being a terrible human being that he was trying to convince Bradley Beal to leave Washington. And I was just like, well, why is the media blown. just slamming Russell Westbrook for I no reason was, right now? I think like, that was blown out of proportion. I think that was completely like, blown out. I, well, here's what I imagine happened. Here's how I imagined it went. I imagine that Westbrook, because because if you read the wording, it was also demand a trade. Yeah. I imagine that Westbrook went to went to um, Westbrook went to Beal and was like, "Hey, I kind of think I can wind up in the in Los Angeles with my boy Braun and AD and go compete for a championship. I didn't really like being in the playing game. I, I didn't like how how much you guys relied on me when I had to come back. You know, I'm getting a little old. Having some time off would be nice. I'd love mm-hmm. to move back to LA with my family." Um, he's from LA, right? He's from Oakland. Oakland, yeah. He's from he's from the he's from from, from California. He's a Cali he's boy. Cali. He's a Cali guy. He gets to go back to Cali. He gets to see his family and all that. I imagine he went up to what Beal explained all that and then said, "You should probably demand a trade too." Beal went, "Eh, I'll think about it." And then Westbrook went, "Are you okay that I'm demanding a trade?" And Beal went, "Yeah, for sure." And that's what I imagine the entire discussion was. I don't oh, imagine from- that it was him pestering him to demand a trade, Beal to demand a trade. I imagine it was just like, hey, I'm demanding a trade. You should think about it. Yeah, no, me too. I thought it was just funny the way it gets blown out of proportion. Russell Westbrook is one of those guys who always just seems to get out clipped and quoted in the media for no reason. I get big name gets clicks, but it's it's because he's wearing let the dresses. man live. It's because he's wearing dresses and everyone's against that. Even though he looks great in his dresses. I love you, Westbrook. Keep it up. Absolutely. Do what you want to do, Brody. He's actually an LA guy, so my bad. I Tried to claim him from the city, but he, oh, he is a Long Beach could. dude. You wish he was yours. Um, I do, I do. 
Now, look, I want to let's talk about the Westbrook fit then, um, and not his fits like his dresses, which we are all on board with. Uh, Mr. Fire, wave. I, I would love to have a dress as pretty as Russell Westbrook's. I, uh, if I, I could spend that much money on a dress, I would too. <laughs> I would, I just I think, I think that it's a versatile piece of fashion equipment, but let's be real. At- his the fit with the Lakers is a little scary because there are mm-hmm. a lot of ways that this can go absolutely. How about this? If he doesn't adjust his behavior, his play style at all. This will go very badly and horrible. But mm-hmm. Carmel Anthony said it really well. This is one of the greatest selections of basketball intelligence ever assembled. The Lakers have the most all-star appearances of any team in NBA history with 58, 56 collective appearances. This mm-hmm. team should be able to figure it out. The question remains, will they? For Westbrook, he is a basketball savant. He is a genius. And this is the first time in his career where he's ha- where even he has to admit he's not the best player on the team. Not even close mm-hmm. to it. And he might not be the second best player. I mean, he definitely isn't the second best player. But it's more, yeah. will he admit it? <laughs> I, I think there are a lot more. I think there's a lot of ways where Westbrook can be really dangerous on this team. If he can buy in completely. Mm. If he isn't buying in completely. If he's still end of games pulling up from three because he's Russell Westbrook and that's what he does. I think there will be issues. I think there will be issues. And that might just be a regular season thing that he sorts out by the playoffs. But mm. I think that there is so many ways where this can work really well. It just becomes a matter of how Russell Westbrook gets into it. And if Frank Vogel can find the best ways to do that while still keeping Westbrook happy. Yeah. And I mean, he, Russell Westbrook, someone always, we've always been a fan of Russell Westbrook, honestly, since he's come in the league, just one of the most exciting players and does so much for his team. And, I think that's what's going to be the biggest part with him in LA is just having a guy who's actually going to literally try to die on the basketball court before he gives up on a play and to have that alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, like he's just going to provide so much value for them all around where it's like, yes, you could point to the individual things like his just spot up jump shooting that might not be as good as you would want someone in his position to be on that squad. But you think about everything else that he'll provide day in, day out, not only for the 48 minutes on the court, but also in the, in the locker rooms and mm-hmm. at the practice facility in the weight room, how he gets a team just going. And I think that's going to be a huge piece to this LA roster. Cause that's a lot of what the problem was. I mean, you talked about it, getting rid of all the dudes who weren't bought in. I think Russell Westbrook is a guy who is always bought into his team and having a guy like that alongside LeBron, who's always like that too. And then AD who kind of tends to go in and out, but if he's got his dudes around him, seems like he will be locked in for the whole season, having that kind of leadership from your guys and then having the vets around them, plus the young dudes who want to make it, it just seems like a recipe for success. So I do think that there's some parts of the Westbrook fit that are just scary on their own. Like you look at his perimeter defense and his outside shooting as things that the Lakers would have liked to have more talented players doing that. But just what he brings on the basketball court and in the locker room, I think is so in- invaluable that either way they're going to make it work and it's yeah. it's unreal and, and i think that they're actually going to be able to get a lot out of him on mm-hmm. on both ends i think on the defensive end if you watched a lot of schroeder tape which i did obviously we're forced to hey hey his defensive tape at the start of the season with anthony davis there was actually very fun to watch i will say that mm-hmm. positives he could be really physical and gamble a lot at the point of attack because Anthony Davis was just waiting in the paint for Schroeder got beat. And then, okay, Schroeder's on your back hip. He's still there. Mm-hmm. It's still there. And then, oh man, Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis can stun and whatever. It's, 
it, it limits a lot what you can do as an offensive player, knowing that Anthony Davis is right there on the floor and LeBron is there on the floor. Mm-hmm. So having that now be Russell Westbrook or Kendrick Nunn, because I think he'll be playing the same role, yeah, is going to be terrifying. And then in terms of oh no, Westbrook gets off ball, off ball, bad defense. Vogel turns everyone into a positive scheme defender. Mm-hmm. I, he turned Montrezl Harrell into a positive scheme defender. I think Russell Westbrook can easily become a positive scheme defender, especially with all of his athleticism. Maybe he'll gamble a little bit too much, but I'm I I think that the, his defensive potential can be insane with this team. And then yeah. on offense, I think there's a lot of ways that he can be used. I think a lot of I think he can be running a lot of a lot of pick and roll when LeBron isn't there or when LeBron wants a break. Like mm. some people said, oh, he should be running the pick and rolls, and LeBron can be in the corner. And I don't think that's actually a horrible idea if it's like used a few times because LeBron mm-hmm. does provide spacing. He is a good enough three point shooter, especially when LeBron and shoot. a little bit. Yeah. And giving LeBron a little bit of active rest or even just, oh, and you've kicked it to LeBron on a pick and roll as yeah. you're as, on the outside. Whoever, if he passes that ball, whoever gets it is going to be completely open. There's no way he makes the wrong pass. Yeah, you talk about so the much defensive rotation It's just so mm-hmm. much positive playmaking between Westbrook, Davis, and Anthony, and LeBron in the, LeBron off the, off the action. Mm-hmm. That, that's terrifying. But also, you could have LeBron, Westbrook screening for LeBron. Yeah, and then LeBron Westbrook diving, and again, now you got Davis in the dunker spot, and you got Westbrook with the ball in his hands in the short roll with Davis in the dunker spot, Ariza and Wayne Ellington spacing, <laughs> and it's like, oh well, someone's gonna get open. Yeah, or Melo maybe in one of those corners. That, like the pick and roll could be incredibly dangerous for this team, and mm-hmm. I think also just having Westbrook doing a lot more cutting, a lot more, a, a lot yeah. more cut, a lot more cutting off the ball, a lot more you know attacking weak side closeouts. And one one thing that I liked, I was watching him shoot threes on Chris Brickley's Instagram. And, mm-hmm. you know, you try not to take too much from these workout videos. You know what I mean? Yeah. But one thing that I noticed was, and a lot of people pointed out, was how little he was jumping. Yeah. And that's something that Ray John Rondo kind of started doing and a lot of other people have picked up. Not jumping at all on your catch and shoot threes. Mm. And personally, I think it's one of the best ways to shoot catch and shoot threes because it cuts down the room for error. Yeah, it if does strong it, enough. It does make it hard to shoot over your defenders, but it's something that, I mean, Westbrook's jacked, you know? Yeah, like if you're strong enough, and you... <laughs> strong enough isn't a question with Westbrook. Exactly. But I think that it could be, if that's actually how he's shooting three, catch and shoot threes this season, when he's sitting off of a LeBron AD, AD pick and roll action. Mm-hmm. I think he could be hitting a much better three, much better catch and shoot three clip than we imagined. And if he can cut back on his crazy pull up threes, I think that he could be a better three point shooter than usual this season. I think that there could be a lot of reigning in by LeBron just mm. by having LeBron having all these men, all this intelligence around him. I think it could really rain it rain in a lot of the Westbrook craziness. Fair. One of the things that I am a little bit, I don't want to say concerned about because obviously Westbrook is a one-man fast break in itself and the Lakers with LeBron and AD obviously love to run in transition mm-hmm. but this team does seem a little less like transition or vertically gifted as they have been in the past like doesn't seem like there's as many slashers to go for because yeah, you know, I mean Carmelo Anthony's not getting up and down the floor the same way he used to he's a little bit older mm-hmm. like Trevor Reese is not really cutting to the baskets that much like I, I don't expect Austin Reese to be doing that and so you look at maybe like Ken Bazemore in his spot minutes and then like 
THT, obviously, but even Wayne Ellington's not going to be flying to the basket. So as much as the Lakers like to go and transition, I wonder how many points they'll still be getting. I think this could be more of a down year for them because outside of those that big three, like who else do they really have going for them in transition? Like Kendrick Nunn I mean, and Malik Monk are good, but... I mean, I really think... Hear me out. This might be a little... Because I, I, I'm not sure how much you're going to be seeing from either... I think... I'm not sure how much you're going to be seeing from Mello this season mm. in terms of his role. Maybe it becomes a little more obvious now that AD is starting at the five. Maybe that role is now a little more there. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see Taylor Horton Tucker and Trevor Ariza being the backup force, even though Ariza mm. is the starting three uh, as as per currently constructed. But I could see Monk and Nunn both being kind of coming off the bench and just bringing in, I guess, a ton of chaos. Like, Nunn is really, really good when he is on. Yeah. Malik Monk was really, really good when he was when he had a defined role with the Charlotte Hornets, which is something he He's didn't have bucket. for most of his tenure. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there is is those three are probably the most interesting parts part of this team outside of Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what to expect from them. Like I, I kind of expected one of those three to start, and it doesn't look like any of them are. Mm-hmm. I. I think that the bench could then be running a lot with those three, with with Dwight Howard, with DeAndre Jordan, with maybe whichever of LeBron and Westbrook stays with the bench guys. I think that those three could keep that fast break presence going. And I think none is kind of, none is really strong. Taylor Horton Tucker mm-hmm. is just a jacked. monster. Yeah. I, I think that they could still be strong enough to be imposing on the boards too. I think that there is a lot of room for this team to still be dangerous on the fast break. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of good, like, additions. Obviously, Kendrick Nunn is someone at the point of attack defensively that likes to get a lot of steals and get out in transition and run. He's a very physical guard. And Malik Monk has slender flame, but he can fly around there. Mm-hmm. An absolute torch off the bench, too. Like, someone who's going to be able to get a lot of buckets for the Lakers, and I think that can help them throughout the regular season. They're going to need some big performances from him. Like, there will be some games where Malik Monk goes off for just, like, 36, and you're like, God, well – Thank goodness, because the Lakers only won by four and everyone else played a good game. But if he wasn't shooting like this, we got nothing here. But no, I, I think the DeAndre Jordan was one of the more interesting acquisitions. And I feel like it's been talked about a decent amount. But it just after what happened with the Brooklyn Nets and him seeming like he was such a key integral part to their team and then just not playing ever. And so it just seems like, well, the Lakers already have so only 15 coveted roster spots, realistically 12 after the big three. And then you give one to a big man in DeAndre Jordan when you have Dwight Howard and he hasn't really played in the NBA, it seems like for a little while. So do we, do you think he's still running up and down the floor? Like, is he going to get spot minutes on this team? I, I think he more exists as the AD insurance for when AD goes down, mm. um, which you have to imagine AD will be sitting at some point. Yeah. But having Dwight and having Dwight, and DeAndre Jordan. And I really think that they're going to use that second two-way on another big. They should. <laughs> even though even though Shondi Brown was really impressive for them, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that second two-way goes to another big. Um, I don't know who. I don't actually have any names on that because their Exhibit 10 guys were Mac McClung, Shondi Brown, and I'm going to butch his name, Travelin Kellen, right? Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, like Travelin... Uh... Our boy, our boy Jeff loves him. Is posting about him all the time on uh, G League mm-hmm. TV. He was the other standout for the uh, Lakers, uh, for the Lakers yeah. summer league team. I don't know that. You know, with Devontae Kaycock gone, I, 
I don't know who that second. Uh, I actually don't think he could have gotten the, the two way because he was on mm. the team for two two ways. Whatever. I they're gonna need another. I, I imagine that last two way spot goes to another big if it looks like AD isn't playing a lot of time. I don't think DeAndre Jordan's gonna be playing a lot. I think he's gonna be a nice little moral support guy, kind of in the same role that Markeith Morris was in with this Lakers team last year. Because also, then it, you know, he's someone who knows the Brooklyn Nets. He knows their sets, and mm-hmm. nah, it's not the hugest thing in the world. But you are gonna be playing them and ha- hopefully playing them in the finals. It's not a bad thing to have. I'll keep an eye out for it when I'm at the Barclays Center for the game if DeAndre Jordan's calling out the plays for the Lakers. That would be really funny. Um, <laughs> that would just be really funny. More that maybe he's got tape that he gave to the to the film crew. Whatever. Yeah, no. uh, But I mean, I think just with that, it means that AD kind of has to play the five because or else you really just have Dwight. Like, yeah. who that's, else is? That's one thing that I talked about a lot, like that, that I thought about a lot over the offseason. I was like, they're not bringing in another five. That's why I was really surprised that they let go of Marcus Gasol that they didn't make Marcus all feel like enough of a priority that he stayed. Mm-hmm. I, I think he would have been really useful this season. He would have provided yep. the Lakers a way to play 80 at the five on offense and the four on defense, giving him a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's a lot of players on the market that fill that role unless Brooke Lopez is traded and bought out somewhere. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I I definitely don't know. Uh, and but my expectation is that they get a buyout guy to be that can play the big position. And that name is Kevin Love, by the way. That's my <laughs> prediction. My prediction is that the fifteenth roster spot becomes either Kevin Love or Gary Harris. Man, I would hope. I honestly hope it's Kevin Love because it would just be so much fun to see him. Another Cali guy back out there. How like, funny I think, would that be? The UCL. Like, we got the UCLA team from that one year playing with LeBron and. Mm-hmm. It would be amazing. It would be a, a picture-perfect movie. We'd already have the Amazon Prime Netflix documentary going. You know, it's just might as well just bring the cameras with Kevin Love at the same time. <laughs> but no, I think it's gonna it's gonna be obviously an interesting year for the Lakers. They have a good squad. I think Melo is gonna be relied upon a little bit more too as a, a shooter as a spacer as well. Obviously, I don't know. I don't sure? know how. I don't know what Melo's role. I, I'm really see. Here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know whose roles. My issue with this Lakers team is I don't know who has what role yet. Mm. I look around, and the only roles that I feel should be set in stone are Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Who's yeah. going to be the backup guard? They've said that it probably won't be – that Rondo is not going to be getting minutes. But mm-hmm. is it Kendrick Nunn, is it, or is it staggering Westbrook entirely with, with LeBron? So that always one of them is on, and it's always the point guard. So then mm-hmm. is it Kendrick Nunn as the point guard next to LeBron – or do you go for Malik Monk to be yeah. the point guard next to LeBron because he can just shoot and play off ball? Or Taylor mm-hmm. Horton Tucker, who got a lot of on-ball minutes last season. Or Austin Reeves maybe impresses. Apparently he's been killing it at the scrimmages. Mm-hmm. And then on the wings, you've got Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, Carmel Anthony, all the guys I just named. <laughs> who starts? I, I mean, Wayne Ellington starting kind of surprised me because mm-hmm. uh, of how bad he shot the last Lakers tenure. I kind of thought it would be Kent Bazemore for his defense. I I mm-hmm. don't know. And then you look at the four position. Is it going to be Carmel Anthony playing the four behind LeBron because of his scoring punch? But what if you've got Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn as your bench scorers? You don't need another scorer without the strong defense. It would be yeah. better to have Trevor Ariza there to space and hit threes. So I, mm-hmm. I, I just look around this Lakers roster, and that's my fear with them. They don't have anything set in stone. There's nothing in it that I look at, and I see it's set in stone. 
But then, so that's that's my fear with this team, and that's why I think that they might come out to a slow start, mm. still winning games, but not doing it convincingly or over relying on their big three. And, and it's also why I wouldn't be shocked if they struggle immensely in the playoffs and flame out early. And that's not to say that 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 Rob Plinka didn't do a great job this offseason. I think this was the best job he could have done. Mm. But this is all going to be up to how good a job Frank Vogel can do. And I'm a huge Frank Vogel believer, but this job isn't going to be easy with all the tinkering and, and turning and working it's going to take to figure out who will be in what spot this season. By the way, probably this going to run into the same issue that the Warriors are facing with Andrew Wiggins right now, where if the whole team is not vaccinated, there could be some problems with playing your home games in the state of California. Oh, no, they're all vaccinated. Okay. I yeah, wasn't yeah, sure no. what the reports were on the Pol- Lakers. Polinka came out and said that they will all be deemed unvaccinated by the time the season starts, which means, which people are hoping means that everyone will be vaccinated and have had two weeks. They're hoping that it doesn't mean that they're relying on a medical exemption or a religious exemption. <laughs> a little bit of fear there, whatever. Um, then, yeah, I mean, this Lakers team, they still have another roster spot, which I think hopefully is going to end up being a big, maybe it's a two-way slot, but I think that 15th roster spot, if it isn't Kevin Love, it should be somebody that they could try to find as a big available throughout the season. And this is going to be a team that's definitely going to go. Like I, I think they're actually more prepared for the playoffs than usual, just because of the addition mm-hmm. of guys who are more willing to buy in. Like, yes, the team isn't set in stone, but I think the fluidity of having pieces to move around LeBron is really where he excels. Like mm-hmm. you guys, you just have dudes to plug and play. Like if Wayne Ellington's having a bad game or Malik Munt's on a hot street, like, yeah, the other dude's just going to sit and it doesn't matter. And having guys that are going to buy into not like not caring that they sit is going to be what's going to be able to propel this Lakers team. I kind of expected Joel Ayayi. So, I, so when when I was mm-hmm. okay when I was looking at this roster, I knew that one of Ayayi and Austin Reeves was going to finish the season on a on a contract. I'm mm-hmm. surprised that one of them is starting on the contract. Big ups, Austin Reeves. I kind of figured it would be Joel Ayayi. Yeah. Because I think that this team is still one fast wing defender away, wing guard defender. Mm-hmm. Like, And I figured that would be Joel Ayayi, and he could sit there and ball hawk and hit open threes. I kind of figured that he'd be getting that last spot. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets the 15th roster spot and the Lakers sign two two-way contracts. Mm. Um, just I to mean, put maybe, it out there. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know what's happening in the cap. I don't know, maybe they haven't been impressed enough with the defense yet or... Joel oh no! I've heard that they're just super grow. impressed by Austin Reeves. That, that, That's that, what I've heard from reports are that Austin Reeves has been killing it at all their scrimmages, and they are super in love with him. And also, Austin Reeves was a projected late first guy that mm-hmm. fell to them that they, that forced his way there. And Joel Ayayi yeah. was a second round guy that forced his way there. It's two different. It's two different levels in a lot of ways, but. Oh yeah, every t- everything I saw of Austin Reeves at Oklahoma, like, every time I tuned into a game, he was just giving people buckets. I'm like, God, yeah, who is this kid? That why is he continuing to just dominate guys for no reason? I also like, he, gonna he's say, a I, I also going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if we see an Austin Reeves and DeAndre Jordan for Mike Muscala trade. That's my early mm-hmm. call, depending on how the front court is fitting in, uh, especially if there are interesting buyout guys on the horizon, say Gary Harris and Kevin Love. They're mm-hmm. my two. They're my two number. They're my number one and two buyout guys. If I didn't make that very obvious yet. <laughs> Uh, all right, Chaz, it's time for our last offseason deep dive. And I'm so Ooh. excited. We're going to go to the Phoenix Suns and mm. let's just jump into it. They mostly stood pat this offseason, bringing the main yep. core back. They signed Chris Paul to a four year, $120 million deal with $75 million in guaranteed money. They brought Campaign back on a three year deal, three year, mm-hmm. $19 million deal with a $2 million guarantee on that final year. 
They mm. traded Javon Carter and the number 29 overall pick for Landry Shamit. They signed JaVale McGee for a one-year, $5 million deal on their MLE. And they brought back Frank Frank uh, Kaminsky on the minimum. They brought back Frank Kaminsky on the minimum. And Abdel mm-hmm. Nader on a two-minus-one-year deal, $4.1 million deal. They signed Alfred Payton to the minimum. And they let Torrey Craig, Etuan Moore, Langston Galloway, and Tyshawn Alexander walk in free agency. They also did not extend either Mikael Bridges or DeAndre Ayton yet. And I think that covers everything that they did. Yeah, I mean, the Chandler Hutchinson two-way probably doesn't matter that much. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Phoenix Suns NBA Finals appearance last year brought a lot of the squad back together, kind of just looking for their team to continue to improve and grow together. And, I mean, I, I obviously love the direction they're in. I've been talking about the Suns for a couple of years now at this point and mm-hmm. think that their young guys are poised to go. But it is a little bit odd that we see all these guys getting extensions. Now even Michael Porter Jr., you're talking about the number one overall pick of the draft class, DeAndre, and who still hasn't gotten the money figured out. Just and, shows and me is that the only one to go to the finals. Yeah, just says that maybe there's a a little less agreement going on between the Suns and the eight and camp and the the figures of the deal. Given that it seems like everybody out of that draft class is just getting max extensions at every position. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if Jer- if Jaron Jackson Jr. comes out with a with a max extension and, and DeAndre Aiden doesn't, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'd be a little scared for every party involved that I mentioned, but. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see it. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd be shocked to see that. And if I'm DeAndre Aiden, I would be pissed. Okay. Uh, first, I just want to say shout out James Jones for another amazing offseason. Yeah. I, I didn't. Do I want to start with the good or the bad? Tell me. The I'll bad is going to be we'll so close short. It on a good note. Yeah. What? Start with the bad. We'll close it on a good. I didn't love the McGee contract, but it's a one year, $5 million. It's a tradable salary. Uh, but I just didn't realize he was no longer a minimum guy. And if you're mm. going to offer five million, I think you could have gone after someone like Ennis Cantor, who can't play like a defense, but is just offensively leaps and bounds better than Javale McGee. He's, uh, I think they wanted the defense of Javale McGee because I don't know that Javale. That... M- okay, wait. I don't know that Javale McGee brings that much defense. If we're being honest. Which... Yeah, I mean, championship uh, qualities though. He's got that DNA in him now at this point in his yes. career, and yeah, yeah. I'm not going to harp on it too long, but like I don't know, maybe Gorgie Jang or Andre Drummond. Like I don't know. Unless you really wanted that athletic rim runner type that's just going to sit there, run rim to rim, and you know do his best on defense. Even then, the $5 million price feels high, but whatever. You well, do what yeah. you got to. I mm-hmm. would have preferred cancer, but I'm not going to sit there on it for too long. Uh, that's my only no. real negative, except for the <laughs> extensions. So do you want to do positive now? Yeah, I mean, I think the Ju- I don't even think the JaVale McGee contract was that bad. Like, oh, I don't think it was that bad money. either. I just think it was the only thing that I could even say negative about it. Like... Yeah, I that's fair. I, mean, I didn't hate it. It was just, I, it's the only thing that I'm looking at. I'm like, I don't hate this. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I would say that the the trades were 29 and Javon Carter. I mean, 29, Dayron Sharp looks like a guy who could potentially Ooh. carve out a spot for himself in the league. And then Javon Carter, too, is somebody that I have always liked as a, a defensive guard who can hit an open shot here and there and provides good energy. So I get bringing in a shooter in Landry Shamick because they didn't really have that before. And now they kind of have a guy who's supposed to just be like a torch of a guy. But I, I thought that maybe a little bit too much value because I think that pick could have been good for them. But I guess they they thought that they just needed to bring in a ex- little extra floor spacing, which isn't bad. Like, again, it's not I, a bad move. It's just something that maybe I would have done differently if I was in that position. I, I like that move. Um, can, I, can I circle back? Okay, I like that move. Yeah. And 
the first reason I liked it is because it opens up. The first reason I liked it is because they do have a little bit of a hole at backup shooting guard. I guess Abdel Nader is their backup shooting guard right now. Well, Landry if Shamit. it's not Landry Shamit, yeah. it's not Landry Shamit. And he mm-hmm. missed so much of last season. So bringing in Landry Shamit, who is a shooting guard, versus Javon Carter, who's like... He's a point guard. He's a point guard. He's he's a point guard. He doesn't shoot it well enough to be off ball. He mm-hmm. The ball in his hands, and you've already got CP3 and campaign. And then you could bring you got to bring in Alfred Payton, which I, I don't imagine they knew was going to happen. But yeah, bringing him in just really closes that for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I get the move. And if you don't like anyone at number 29... I, yeah. I get it. If there's no one, there's no one that I looked at. I mean, I didn't go through every single pick. There are guys in that mm-hmm. early second, in that late first that I think they could have gone after and gotten value out of. But if you're like, look, like we, we just went to the finals. Mm-hmm. Landry Shamit can help bring us back. Um, And he's an expiring. He'll give us cap relief next offseason. If we don't want to bring him back or whatever, we can, we can do stuff with him. Yeah. It's worth it for me. I think that if you don't, if there's no one you were in love with, I totally think it's worth it. Yeah, again, just like your JaVale McGee thing. Like, I don't actually think it was bad. I just think that with the assets in the position, I might have done something differently. Can but, I say that it, um, it, 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 it's smoke? Can I say that there's smoke from that? <laughs> Can I say that there's some really some smoke coming? And uh, Why? So, look, getting CP3 back and campaign back is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Um. But one one caveat of their deals is that they both are decreasing next season. Mm. Both of them are uh, campaigns by five hundred thousand, not huge. Ninety threes by about two million, if I remember. Hold on, let me pull up my cap sheet. I should have it right over here. That number. He goes from thirty point eight million this year to twenty eight point four million next year. Mm-hmm. That's a serious decrease in salary. That's about three million in salary you're dropping between the two of them. Yeah. Um, I the team still isn't in the luxury tax this season, and we talked about how they should be about oh, like all the options they could do with taking the you know, putting CP on his option and dropping and na 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 na. I wonder if they're trying to dodge the tax again next season, <laughs> and I wonder if that's why these negotiations with Aiden and Bridges are taking so long and why they haven't been fruitful. This team is trying to get them to sign contracts that are more team friendly than expected. Look, if you assume every option is picked up, then the Suns have $44.6 million in space below the luxury tax line. The, the only way that they could create any meaningful space would be declining either Cam Johnson or Jalen Smith's options, which, uh, spoiler alert, they're both lottery picks. You can't do that. If yeah, they decline doesn't look Naders, likely. If you decline Naders, you get about, I think, 400000 in space, depending on how much the... I, I could mm-hmm. do the math on how much the minimum salary is supposed to be next season. You're getting between, like, 300 and 500,000 of extra space. Yeah. Not a big deal. Not meaningful. So assuming every option is picked up, the Suns have 44.6 million in space below the luxury tax line. And that's not counting the the cap holds or the qualifying offers for Bridges, Aiden, and Shamit. Now if Aiden gets the full max, which everyone was reporting that he should get. And we can argue about if he should get it or shouldn't. Yeah. Um, But everyone's saying he should. So there's no way his camp is holding out for anything less than that. And if he goes to a restricted free agency, someone is going to offer it to him because so many people have been reporting it. I'd be very shocked if no one offered it to him. But hey, maybe it doesn't happen. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Assuming that, then they have $14.87 million to sign bridges and stay below the luxury tax. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. 
so I think that part of this this waiting is that they're trying to penny pinch, and I think that's also why we heard about a Thad Young Jalen Smith Dario Jalen Smith trade rumor. Because mm. if you can dump Jalen Smith and Dario Saric mm-hmm. with Thad Young's expiring, you now have twenty eight point seven eight million dollars to sign Bridges and to bring back Thad Young. Because if you're trading a lottery pick, you need to bring the guy back yeah. while still blame staying below the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. So you could do twenty million for Bridges and eight million for Thad Young, and both seem like reasonable deals that keep them below the luxury tax. And then you fill out the roster with minimums. I started that seeing that seeing those numbers, and I got really scared that there was a chance that they weren't gonna that they were just gonna let Bridges walk. But it looks mm-hmm. like they will have enough leeway to keep him. But that's something that you should keep an eye on whether Saric and Jalen Smith are gone for someone like Thad Young, or just an expire, or if someone is dumped for an expiring just to free up some cash so that they aren't going into the luxury tax next season. Because there are mm-hmm. plenty of expirings, Alfred Camino also on the Spurs, that Saric or Crowder could be traded into. Yeah. That would then give you more room to sign back Mikhail Bridges the next season. Yeah, I mean, I think it, there could be a lot of negotiations going on between Aiton and Bridges and the Suns, obviously, and the idea that maybe you get them both on a potential pay cut for this first extension and then tell him like, look, well, you're going to both be here. And then eventually CP is going to leave. And once he's off that deal, then you guys are going to be up for your new extensions. And we can give you full maxes then when you're fully in your grown men years with the book and you're going as a big team, but it is definitely a a tough ask of a former number one overall pick to take a pay cut this early in his career, especially just to keep a team together that hasn't won really anything. It's a tough ask of any player coming off their rookie contract to take a pay cut. (laughs) Like, yeah, you you we drafted you and you played here and you want to take a pay cut? You know, come on, you got to put up for the team. You know, everyone's everyone's here, especially because, and this isn't to dump on D-Book. Mm-hmm. He should not have taken a pay cut, but he did take not. a pay cut. Mm-hmm. He didn't take, he he got his full max. Of course. He got, I'm and, sure he's and, telling his guys that to do the same thing. Yeah. I'm sure he's telling Aiden to get the full max. I'm sure Paul is telling Aiden. I'm sure everyone is telling Aiden to get the full max. Mm-hmm. Just to say that's something you should be keeping an we should be keeping an eye on this season. What happens with this with all these trades? Who gets brought if, if there's a trade to cut some salary and if they wind up hurting their hamstringing their team to do it. If it winds up being Jay Crowder for uh for an expiring or something like that. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean for this Phoenix Suns team, obviously the the cost space in the future is gonna be an issue with these two extensions that we expect at some point throughout the season because you don't really want either of them going to restrictive free agency because realistically, I think you could even see a team offer a max for Mikel Bridges just if they're desperate to try to make the Phoenix Suns pay for him. Mm-hmm. But this I, is a team I could that... easily see a team offering him a three-year max or something just to mess with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Like a three-year max with like poison pills and whatever and trade restrictions and all kinds of, all kinds of funkiness. I could see them doing some funkiness to do that. But they're a team that's young and getting better and poised to go back on a big run this year. Obviously there, everyone talks about, they got a lot of luck to go on their NBA finals run last year. And yes, some things happened in their favor that probably they don't win series if it doesn't go for them. But regardless, they did go to the finals, went to six and you're looking at a whole team of young dudes surrounded by Chris Paul, who are all going to look to improve. And you got Jay Crowder as another veteran piece to lead you forward. So I'm pretty high on what this Phoenix Sun team could do. I have fun, a little fun fact about their squad while I was just looking through the information. Devin Booker is like 
by far still one of the youngest guys on this team. And he's drafted so far, much longer. Like he's younger than Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, who are from the 2018 and 2019 draft class. He was drafted in 2015. I'm just like, this guy's an absolute stud already. And every year I think like, okay, like we're, he's not, he's 24. Like he's going to turn 25 this year. He's got so much room to grow as a player still. And as a man. So I think having him out there, he's, I guess he's just got to be worried for that Kardashian curse at this point. I, I think that he has to be worried for something else. I, I hate to be the party pooper, but I don't see the Suns doing as well as last season. I, <laughs> I, I know they've, I know they've become the sexy pick to win the West again. Mm. But can we take a second to look at the facts? Yeah. Last season, they were the healthiest team in the league. Mm. They went on a deep playoff run. Mm-hmm. They had a shortened off season. They're already missing their backup center for all of next season. Devin Booker, their star player, had an even shorter off season because he played at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul had the healthiest season of his entire career. <laughs> Look. Every team from this past season that had a short off season got killed by injuries the next season. Not mm-hmm. even just the teams that made the finals, teams that made the conference finals. They're devastated. The Lakers, the Nuggets, the Heat, and the Celtics. Three of the four of them started slow. Three of yeah. the four of them didn't make it out of the first round. And the fourth didn't win a single game in the second round. Mm-hmm. All four teams had injuries to at least one key player. I, I, look, Jay Crowder is going into his second condensed offseason in a row. Mm-hmm. He was on that Heat team that went to the finals, and now he's on the Suns team that went to the finals. Expecting CP3 and D-Book to be as healthy as last season, Jay Crowder included, just because I said his name. I Yeah. It, it's a pipe dream at best. I still have the Suns in my top six, barring, but barring an all-star level breakout by a player, of which this team has a few candidates, I will say. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see them getting another top two seed by the end of the season. And I won't say it's impossible, but I expect somewhere between three to six depending i expect somewhere between three to six depending on how much experimenting the jazz do how how the lakers are able to gel you know the, the warriors there, there's so many questions with the rest of the west that i mm-hmm. still see them between that three to six but I, I don't see them getting into the top two because i don't see i don't see all of i don't see utah experimenting enough to fall out of the top two and denver and, and i don't expect some combination of utah not experimenting enough the lakers not gelling enough denver regressing and mm-hmm. you know uh, for there to be an available top two spot i mean i i definitely think this phoenix sun team has potential like i think they're going to end up in a top four seed in the west i don't necessarily think they'll be number one i think this could be one a team that actually does fizzle out a little bit earlier in the playoffs this year but has a better regular season just because i think that they're ready to go but again like it is going to be a long season for them and talk about that post finals run hangover going into the season after not having made the playoffs for like the last 10 years in Phoenix, and then also having a target on your back because you are the team that just went to the finals in the Western Conference. So everybody knows that a win against you is an even more important win at the end of the season. So it's definitely going to be somewhere where they're going to not only need improvements from their main young guys, but up and down their roster, you know, like Cam Johnson's going to need to improve. They're going to want Abdel Nader to be able to play this season. Like Landry Shaman is going to need to be lights out. And there's going to be a lot of Jalen Smith there. I'm a little bit confused about their back, like their bigs rotation. Cause at this point they got Deandre Ayton, JaVale McGee, Jalen Smith and Frank Kaminsky, who seem to be all like pure fives. Don't really want to play them anywhere else, but the five. Well, I think, well, they played Frank Kaminsky at the four a lot last regular season. And I think they see Jalen Smith also as a four. 
Yeah, but I, I it's I'm hard with you. to see I'm with, it. No, no, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. I'm just saying what they see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Know. I think that actually look. This I think this team is going to be good. Mm-hmm. But there's just a lot of questions. Yeah. There's a lot of there's health questions, as I mentioned. Just incredible mm-hmm. health by them last season. They were the only team that was healthy, and that you know, especially with a guy like Chris Paul on your team, that's unusual. Yeah. That short off season, that's going to be unusual. I, I wonder how Aiden is going to feel in a contract year without an extension. Mm-hmm. When he looks at Shea Gilgis Alexander got a max extension and he barely played last season. Michael Porter Jr. got a max extension and he has so many injury questions about him. Yeah. Like, Luca and Trey have max extensions. Is Jaron Jackson Jr. going to get an extension before him? I, mm-hmm. I wonder how he's going to feel. And I wonder if that means that he's going to be playing outside of the comfort zone that he established last season because of that. If he's going to be like, I want other teams to see what else I can do. And he's going to stop running the sets just as much as he usually does. Take a couple of plays. He's like, I'm posting up this play. Like I'm, I'm posting up and I'm hitting the hook shot. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm making basketball. I'm making business plays instead of basketball plays. Uh, that's a worry. And, and I like the players on their team, but I'm a little concerned with the, the fit. With with the how they'll fit together, where, where teams will be taking them seriously right from the jump. I think that there's a mm-hmm. serious issue with them, outside of Mikael Bridges on the and Jay Crowder on that or Mikael Bridges on that wing defense defense. Yeah, I Devin think Booker's they... improved, but they they really don't have a wing defender other than Mikael Bridges. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times you're gonna get that this season, where every team is coming out to get you. Jay Crowder, maybe he steps up a little more on the wings. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Cam Johnson ceil- is getting better. Cam Johnson is getting better. He is. And look, I'm going to say it right now. I think that their ceiling is going back to the finals. Mm-hmm. I know I've been poo-pooing them. I think their ceiling is going back to the finals. But that has a lot more to do with the fact that every other team that can compete to make it out of the Western Conference has either much more serious roster construction questions, looking at Utah, Lakers, and Dallas, or mm-hmm. much more serious health questions, looking at Warriors, Nuggets, and Clippers. Mm-hmm. So, no, I- for sure. Yeah. For sure, this Phoenix Suns team, I mean, they still do have an extra roster spot is one of the things that we haven't really mentioned throughout this part. So if they're going to be looking, this is a team that might be waiting for the buyout market to add in another guy. Like Gary Harris would be a massive addition to this roster right here. But they're really just looking for a two-way wing that they can plug in to give them some more bench minutes and sparing minutes. Like last year, they brought in Torrey Craig midway through the season. He was a huge piece for them. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Phoenix Suns. And obviously, they're going to have those 15 man filled. So I I expect it to be a wing who's either an extremely good shooter or just someone who can play on both ends of the floor because that is what they're missing right now. But mm-hmm. this team has is, is got the juice. I mean, they just went at it as long as they could stay healthy, which is obviously a question. But it's the same question for those 29 other teams in the league that it's yeah, like, look. Yeah, but we know it's different. Come on, don't poo-poo that one. Don't poo-poo that one. Come on. I mean, a lot of these are younger dudes. Like they're not one. They have one of the younger rosters in the league. So even though it is a short off season, you're talking about guys' bodies who still recover better. And sports science is in the best place it's ever been in the world. These are millionaire athletes who have Chris Paul as a leader who can teach them to treat their body, but also help spend money on them to treat their body right. So, yeah. just saying that this is a team that I always expect to be at the best that they possibly can be, and whatever happens, happens. But they'll be doing as much preventative preventative stuff as they can. Yeah, that Chris Paul contract is kind of interesting. I don't want to sit on it for too long because we're at almost an hour and a half. Yeah. But the fact that he has the the, the, the last year completely non-guaranteed and the year before only for $15.8 million, interesting. Just want to put it out there. 
Very, very interesting. Very and kind I'm wondering, of him. I'm wondering how healthy he's going to be for this contract. I'm wondering if he's going to have to retire. I'm like when he is planning on retiring because he is old. Mm-hmm. And I'm also wondering how many games he's going to be playing this season. That is a real question for this Chris for Chris Paul. I've said it a few times now. I really wonder. Like, yes, I do think that they were really good with campaign, and Alfred Payton is a good backup point guard. He showed it with the Knicks, even yeah. though he wasn't a great starter. He's totally fine as a backup. Mm-hmm. There are ceiling questions with this team, and it's going to be interesting to see where they go. But we've been going at this for an hour and a half. Let's close yeah. it down. Let's do it. Thank you all for tuning into the Ball Talk podcast. Um, Follow us on Instagram at Ball Talk Official. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like, subscribe, rate, review, comment. Uh, please subscribe. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform, same thing. Rate, review, subscribe, five stars, all that, comments, whatever. Everything, everything you can do to just do it. It's free and it helps us and ma- helps us. And we really feel grateful every single time. And mm-hmm. until next time, thank you for tuning into Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby, baby, baby.